This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Welcome to Real Talk on this uh, April 20th. Yeah, that's right, it's 420. A happy 420 to you uh, from all of us here at Real Talk, including huge stoner John Hicks, no, who is behind the controls of this morning's show. <laughs> Up first thing this morning, bong rips nonstop. Oh, no. Buddy just can't stop celebrating World Cannabis Day. What day is it, man? I don't know, man. It doesn't even matter. Uh, Over this next hour or so, we're going to be talking about cannabis Mm -hmm. and uh, from a couple of different angles. In just a second, he's a professor of, uh, well, well, people know he's he's an expert on law. He's an expert on health policy and and science. You might call him a bit of a myth buster. Uh, Today, I wonder if he's going to come across as a bit of a buzzkill. I don't know. <laughs> Professor Tim Caulfield's going to join us in just a second. Of course, a wonderful friend of the show. And uh, Tim's, Tim's big into, uh, well, he takes a look at claims, uh, claims related to health and science and, and oftentimes policy. And then, and then he debunks, he looks into these things and he debunks uh, a lot of these claims. And today he's here to talk about CBD. Now, here's the rub. Mm. No pun intended, but it works. I know that a lot of you, I would guarantee that a whole bunch of you real talkers use CBD probably on a daily basis for aches and pains to help you sleep. Perhaps your animals are using CBD. I know for a lot of people, we've even tried it with our own pups, yeah. uh, John, in particular, mm-hmm. our lab to try to sort of chill her out and sure. uh, with Moses, our boxer, to help him with some some joint pain. But new research shows that claims around the health benefits of CBD may be exaggerated. Yeah. So we thought it might be placebo. a good day to get into that. It has that kind of placebo effect. Although I do encourage you, Real Talkers, if you're listening to this live, uh, especially streaming on Mixler, or the audio app, or watching us on YouTube, go ahead and hit us up with our either our hashtag RealTalkRJ or in the live chat. We'd love to hear your personal stories, um, how you are utilizing CBD, or bigger picture, what World Cannabis Day, what 420 means to you. I suspect also for a lot of you, it means absolutely nothing. You don't know what 420 means. This is the first that you're hearing of 420. Some of you may have already turned off the show because <laughs> talk about cannabis still drives you crazy. You can't believe it's legal. You still don't think it should be legal. And those kids next door that are always lighting up and blowing that sank <laughs> smoke into your backyard while you're trying to barbecue, it drives you nuts. You can send us an email as well too along those lines to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Jody Geese Ramsey will join us in the second half of the show. Uh, you may know her, uh, formerly known as Jody Amory. She was known as Canada's Princess of Pot for a lot of years. She's an activist. She's an advocate. Uh, and she's an entrepreneur. We're going to talk to her about Jody's Joint, her new uh, space, <laughs> and some of the work that she's been contributing to different publications. And, and I want to get her take as well on uh, cannabis amnesty. This is a story that kind of flies under the radar. You know, obviously, before cannabis was legalized in Canada, mm-hmm. um, definitely it was like five years ago already. Yeah. It feels like the culture ha- has changed and, and, and cannabis is less of a big deal, although I still think that there is some... Uh, do you call it stigma around sure. it? I, sure. I don't think that people, you know, fire up joints in the same way that they would drink a glass of wine with coworkers, for example. You think of like company Christmas parties or you think of corporate gatherings where it would be absolutely no big deal to have a glass of wine or a beer. Mm-hmm. I don't know that people are, you know, like like you said, ripping bongs or smoking <laughs> joints or 
Although I do think it also depends how you consume it. I think that sure. the whole idea of like you know eating a gummy before a hockey game or before a concert uh, is a pretty mainstream thing to do that more sure. and more people are open to talking about, whereas certainly that wouldn't have been the case when it was against the law. And I want to see what Tim has to say because it's, you know, my partner, uh, Jatinder, she uses it for all sorts of stuff. She's got a bad knee. She uses it for anxiety. Yeah. She uses it for a whole host of things. So I want to see what Tim has to say. I'm really interested yeah uh tim caulfield coming up in just a quick second this episode is presented by our friends at we know training and i wanted to focus on something in particular you know can sell uh can sell is ontario's sole provider of retail cannabis training uh, for thousands of bud tenders in the province you know these are the folks these are the professionals that help you out at the the legally owned and operating Retail locations for cannabis in Ontario. We Know Training is working with Cancel to provide standard and expert level certifications to empower retail frontliners to promote safe and responsible cannabis consumption. Uh, Cancel is a proud partner of MAD Canada and they're committed to advancing community safety. This is just one example of We Know Training partnering with outstanding brands in regulated industries to provide full suite training solutions. If that sounds like it might be a fit for your organization, your nonprofit, your agency, you can learn more about what we're talking about at weknowtraining.ca. On this 420 edition of Real Talk, we welcome uh, a very good friend to the show. Uh, people look to Professor Tim Caulfield for an informed voice on oftentimes issues that matter to them because they're making headlines. And that includes how people are using cannabis these days in medical applications in particular. Tim's a professor of health law and science policy. He's a uh, public speaker in demand, a TV host, and he's the guide to everyday health decisions. That's right. He wrote it, literally wrote the book, Relax, Everyday Health Decisions with More Facts and Less Worry. Kind enough to join us on this 420 morning. A good morning to you. And do I say happy 420? Is this something that you personally observe? You know, I, I've never been a, a big a big cannabis guy, so maybe there's a bias here. That I'm, I'm viewing all the data, the data through. Uh, you know, even when you know I have a rock and roll past. I don't know if you knew that uh, about me, Ryan. And even during that phase of my life, I I, I would have rather had a beer than a joint. Although although edibles are kind of a a new horizon, but that's a conversation for another time no no it's a conversation for today it's totally 100 percent a conversation for today we're talking about cannabis and for the most part as far as we know only cannabis on the show today because uh, we have that opportunity to, to 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 take one day a year where a lot of enthusiasts and people who use cannabis are going to like book the day off work or at least they're not going to have any plans after quarter after four if you know what i mean uh 420 everybody will will blaze up and and, and celebrate this plant that you know for some people has, has played a big role in their lives and of course that also has has the medical applications as well. You've been debunking claims about the medical benefits of CBD. Uh, before we get into this, I don't want to take this for granted. There are going to be some audience members that have no idea what we're talking about. They don't really know what CBD is. How does that uh, come from pot? What's the deal? How is that different from THC? You want to give us a bit of a primer? Yeah, real quick. CBD is uh, is the non-psychoactive component of, of cannabis. And so when we think of cannabis, uh, it's the THC that gives you the high, 
uh, CBD is a is a chemical, uh, and it's a complex chemical that has been touted as a a, a treatment and often you know hyped as a cure for a, a variety of a variety of ailments and conditions. And I, out of the gate, uh, Ryan, I want to say, look, there's a real, lot of really interesting research here. I, I'm optimistic, you know, that we're going to find real practical application, and we're starting to see better and better clinical trials. Uh, emerge. But it's the idea that, you know, using CBD for a whole bunch of things, and we're seeing all this crazy marketing, all this crazy hype, you know, CBD for your pets. And, you know, there there was one marketing campaign that said, you know, use CBD if your dog is afraid of of lightning and thunder, <laughs> you know, CBD was gonna, is gonna cure it. Uh, and we're seeing this really strange merger of uh, of of C CBD products with with the wellness industry, so it's it's getting caught up in that movement, and you know natural is better, you know etc. So yeah, we've been we've been looking at this myself and colleagues uh, uh, across the country on on how CBD is represented, how it's being regulated. You know, is is it appropriate? Uh, we're going to hear from a lot of people, I guarantee it, and especially when the podcast comes out. And it seems like every time you're on the show, Twitter just explodes, which is great. Uh, You light a fire under people, which is you get people thinking, and that's great. And I can forecast uh, that we're going to get messages. They'll, They'll be sort of anecdotal evidence. Uh, or you may cringe at the use of that word. Let me say anecdotal, uh, you know, contributions from people that say that CBD will have changed the way that they approach their own personal health and wellness, whether that's for for joint pain or something to do with their appetites or or maybe helping them sleep. And uh, and, and some people are also going to talk about maybe how that's replaced some pharmaceuticals in their life and and that being a net positive for them so what put this on your radar like what sort of raised your eyebrows or or, or got you thinking that this was something that deserved your attention and your research in other words how did this start to to intrigue you and maybe even trouble you well well right uh from the start, I, I'm going to go back to something you said about, you know, people will, will use CBD to replace a pharmaceutical. CBD is a pharmaceutical, right? It's a chemical. It's a chemical. And uh, we need to study what it can do. It's a complex chemical too, right? We, we need to study exactly what the potential benefits are and what the pot- potential harms are. So, you know, early uh, in in uh, 2019, our, our team decided that we were going to take this on as as a really good example of of how things are hyped and misrepresented in the public sphere. And as you know, this is a, an area of research that I have done for a really long time with a, you know, a fantastic interdisciplinary team that I get to I get to work with. And in fact, Ryan, um it was I think February 2020, we were going to put it in a big grant <laughs> on misinformation in CBD. Uh, and then something happened and we pivoted to that other topic. Oh, is that um, right? I'm trying to think yeah. <laughs> of what would have happened around 2020 that would have required I, some of your myth busting. I, I can't remember what it was, but yeah. it, it was it was a topic that also had a lot of misinformation uh, in it. But but, we, you know, we've continued to do research and I have a colleagues that have done a lot of a lot of work in this space uh, because the concern is that. Um, First of all, you know it's it's being um, it's misleading the public. The marketing is misleading the public. We're worried about that. We're worried about something I call science exploitation, where you try to make it sound sciencier than it really is in order mm-hmm. to to market it. And and the other really important thing to note that is uh, the hype can hurt the good research, right? It can hurt you know the public for how how the public actually perceives you know the good stuff that's coming out. And again, I want to emphasize. You know, I am not anti-cannabis. I am not anti-CBD. I'm pro-good science and and pro-good representations of what 
the science actually says. Yeah, we were having some fun right before you came on, wondering if this was going to be a bit of a buzzkill, having Caulfield <laughs> on on 420 to talk about how CBD I'm always may a buzz be kill overrated. Every day. <laughs> but a professional buzzkill is, is kind of a cool way to describe what you do, but I know that you want people to have all the facts. So take us into the research. Like, How did you approach this, and, and what have you determined uh, You know, a short ways into this? Obviously, this is something probably trend-wise that you'll be keeping an eye on as time progresses. Yeah, for sure. And and I want to highlight some of the other research that's been done in the space that I, th I think is worth recognizing. You know, it's not a really well-regulated area. Um, yes, uh, Health Canada is doing more in this space. And I think regulators around around the world are also trying to, you know, get wrap their arms around what's going on in the market. But it's not super well-regulated. Uh, uh, when, when CBD is being marketed to the public as a natural health product, you know, you're not supposed to see these really bold health claims associated with it. But research by uh, my colleague, um, colleagues at Simon Fraser University, they have found that, you know, they looked at thousands of products and found that often there are health claims made that aren't supported by the evidence. So that's number one, you know, watch those health claims. Are, are, are they really supported by, by the evidence? The other really important thing is a lot of these products are contaminated. Uh, you know, so you're going to the store, you're buying some CBD. Does it actually have CBD in it? I don't know. Uh, is it contaminated with other kinds of substances? There was a study from the United States that found that, for example, a lot of CBD, CBD products had lead uh, in them. Uh, so contamination is a problem. Of course, that goes to, to regulation also. And one of the things that we looked at is is how CBD is often represented as being cured of, of serious stuff like like cancer. So we, uh, we did uh, a study again with uh, colleagues at, at Simon Fraser University where we looked at at people crowdfunding for CBD products, you know, uh, to treat cancer. Right. And um, that's really problematic when when people are turning to this for for serious for serious things. Look, really interesting research emerging, especially I think in the mental health space. Some interesting research around anxiety. Most most of the reviews say the evidence isn't there yet. Yeah. Isn't there yet? And of course, you want to go to a mental health professional uh, if if these problems are serious. I'm a uh, you know, I mean, I, I I don't know if I want to say I'm an advocate for cannabis, but I'm somebody that uses cannabis. Uh, I'm an investor in a cannabis company, a private cannabis company, Joy Botanicals, that that my brother. Uh, is the master grower at. So I'm, I, I want to be upfront and open and honest about my personal conviction on all this. I think that there are there can be benefits to it. I also think that it can be, like anything else, detrimental to some people, right? I mean, you, you talk to, to people that would self-medicate with virtually anything, and if you talk to 100 people, not all 100 are going to find that it's actually good for them. And so in some ways when cannabis in some way shape or form may help somebody that is fighting cancer tim maybe it helps them with their appetite or something like that i think to go further and suggest that it's going to cure cancer would be wildly irresponsible and i think the same application again this is a lay person's observation and opinion um feel free to tear it apart but when you're talking about mental health Cannabis may help somebody relax, and if we're being open and honest about it, it could also create mental health issues for some people. And I think that if we're going to have a conversation on the pros side, we need to have open and honest conversations on the cons side as well. You're right about that. And, and again, we should be careful not to confuse cannabis you know, with THC in it, which is often used more for the, the, you know, the appetite suppression and, and um, uh, nausea and and CBD also used in those spaces, but you know, let's you know, we've got to be careful not to confuse those. Uh, but you're right, you know, if if a substance 
is going to have biological benefits, it, it, it often almost always also can have biological harms. And this goes back to the comment I made earlier, you know, it, it is a pharmaceutical. Um, and uh, we're seeing the same thing emerge around around psychedelics. Um, again, very, really exciting research happening with psychedelics, very much in the mental health space. But we've got to figure out what the, you know, the benefits are, what are the harms? And, and also, Ryan, what are the limitations? For example, perhaps the benefit's going to be short term, right? It's not going to be a long term treatment that people can use. Uh, what's the dosage that is optimal? If, if you take too much, is it harmful? If you take too little, do you not get the, the, the benefit, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a, a pharmaceutical that we need to study, a, a biologically active agent that we need that we need to study and and get the and get a true understanding of how it works. You know, our our team, as you know, is really interested in how this is represented in the public sphere, and and, and you really do get a lot of absurd stuff. You know, I have movie stars, you know, putting it uh, CBD oil on their feet so they don't get blisters when they go, you know, walk the red carpet and 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 things like that, where it really just creates a lot of confusion over around what CBD can really do and what it can't do. It's not a miracle cure. You know, going into if I could get into a time machine and going forward, if we had you know robust evidence, I if I had to predict, we're going to see narrow areas where there's clear benefit, uh, where the efficacy has been shown by good clinical trials, and then we're going to see you know great swaths of areas where it, it has has no benefits because that's always the way it turns out. You know, it's always the way it turns out. There are no miracle drugs other than coffee. Yeah, here's to that. Uh, but people are also going to listen to this and say, uh, yeah, but who cares? Like, who cares yeah. if this, who, who cares if the CBD cream like doesn't actually prevent blisters on the feet of the people wearing, you know, their flu vogs on the red carpet? Like, who cares? Uh, it, 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 it's a different story when somebody goes off chemotherapy or when somebody goes off their, you know, the, the prescription related to mental health care or what have you, assuming that CBD is going to fill the void. The stakes are different, right? The stakes are different. And, you know, I, I study this area, so perhaps I'm hypersensitive to it. I admit that up front. Um, I don't I don't like misrepresentations of health products that have potential. Bad, you know, just, you know, the, the the red carpet comment that matters. Right. Because it's something that we've called implicit hype uh, where you have, uh, you know, uh, sports media or or entertainment media. uh making a definitive statement about benefit when the evidence isn't there to support it. Because if it works for Melissa McCarthy's uh, blisters on the red carpet, maybe it really does work for this other thing. And I'm not going to use uh, evidence-based approaches. I'm going to go with, with CBD. Um, and, and again, go back to that, that comment I made earlier, this could be misleading on a bunch of, in a, in a bunch of ways, right? Does the evidence really support the claim? Is the product contaminated? Um, is there even CBD in the product that you're buying? On and on and on, right? So um, all of those things matter, I think, to the general public. But then when you get when you're talking about cancer treatment, et cetera, that's you know the stakes are really high, and and we need, I think, more more robust action there for sure let me let me zoom out here for a second i want to just talk about sort of cannabis generally speaking okay so i'm not talking about like the lotions and potions as we call them with cbd for like joint pain or, or, or you know arthritis management or anything like that i'm just talking about the entire industry so like flour itself that you can grind and smoke or or like the you know they have like the extracts obviously you have sort of like oil extracts people can vape them you have the gummies etc and at that time 
just before legalization and, and in the early days of legalization, uh, you had a lot of, Tim, what they were calling the gray market, which is, I mean, it's not the gray market at all. It is the black market. It was illegal services, and a lot of them are still operating, but you can basically go online. It's a little bit cheaper than in the retail stores, and, and you can order an ounce, and they'll ship it right to your door. And, and I mean, it you know, it, it operates sort of under the eye of the law, but it doesn't appear to be, these places don't appear to be shut down. And, and people that were advocates for legal regulated cannabis see this and continue to see this as a real problem for the industry number one because it's a disruptor and they're not operating uh, under the same rules and so it's an unfair advantage for the so-called gray market but also because like you said the products were not regulated so if you look at an extract like you know sort of like a, a screw on top to a vape pen and you go well what's in there we don't know how it's made under whose supervision who's regulated. we don't know and it's something you're putting into your lungs and it's something you should consider you talk to professional growers cannabis growers that are certified and regulated by and inspected by health canada and they will point out that if you don't know where your cannabis is being grown or by whom or where uh, they could be using chemicals for pest control or they could be using certain fertilizers or da 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 right and, and it goes on and this is something that people want to pay attention to advocates and entrepreneurs in the industry want more attention on this because they're adhering to the rules and i know that a lot of them i can certainly speak for my brother in this context they put, take great pride in what they're doing and the, the regulatory oversight and i mean the facilities are unbelievable i mean you think it's like cancer research centers in a lot of contexts uh, so you talk about contaminated CBD products. If we're talking about legally sold products in regulated or legally operating retail locations, that should not be the case. So where are you finding this? What can people keep an eye out for? What sort of certification should people be looking for on packaging? Like that's that's a, that's a kind of a bold claim, and it's a big deal to a lot of people. I'm sure it will be. Well, that claim about contamination uh, is, in fact, not unusual in the supplement world in the wellness in the wellness space. Um, lots of research, many studies have shown that supplements are often contaminated because natural health products just aren't regulated mm. to the same level as as pharmaceuticals, right? So you have you have you know that that just reality more broadly. Um, and, and you're also right about about licensing. So uh, I haven't seen studies that have differentiated, and that would be a good study. And maybe we should <laughs> put in that grant now. Um, but but for sure, I can say that there are many individuals, and, and including researchers, who are concerned about uh, consumers not being able to differentiate between license and and unlicensed. And I'm speculating here, Ryan, but I think partly what happened, and I'm curious if you agree with this. It sounds like you know the industry well. Partly what happened is a lot of there was a lot of excitement. Things were starting to roll out right before, you know, pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, and then the pandemic hit and we had all that, you know, that that buzz and excitement. Uh, and the pandemic became the focal point of regulators of of the government more generally. And we, so we're left with this kind of really messy market space where we have all of these products out there that are confusing the general public. Do you, do you think that's that's fair speculation? Yeah, I mean, I think that, to be honest with you, the, the entire industry is a total mess right now, and uh, and it's sort of sorting itself out. And I know that in a in a, in a free market, I don't want to compare it to, to other markets, but, but some of these things will sort themselves out. And so you're seeing, like on the retail side, uh, a lot of the ma and pa shops closing. Uh, you're seeing sort of, I, I think, fewer and fewer big retail brands. In other words, you know, maybe two or three years from now, there will just be 
three or four different stores, sort of like a Max and a Circle K and a 7-Eleven, as opposed to like Linda's Cannabis, you know, Emporium. Um, and, and then I think that, you know, on, on the tax side as well and the regulatory side i think that a lot of licensed operators you know like lps um grow ops if you want to call it that licensed by health canada i think you're seeing fewer and fewer uh a lot of the big giants i mean look at aurora anybody that had aurora stock i mean if you if you if you cashed out your shares you know at 17 bucks a while ago you're laughing some people made a lot of money on aurora but the way that that business has played out it's an absolute disaster i heard the other day i asked a friend tim you know about this aurora sky facility that's the 800,000 square foot grow up that was out by edmonton's international airport it made international headlines when aurora opened it you know like two years later you know what they're growing there now tulips uh, the place is an 800,000 square foot tulip grow up and they drive them right to the airport and ship them off to Holland. So, uh, I mean, you know, the industry is a disaster. A lot of people are losing their shirt and, and unfortunately it's going to impact a lot of Canadians that are working in this space. You can tell, I mean, this is like a, a personal thing for me, right? Can, can you hear the pain in my voice as I talk about it? I, I can, I can. And, and this, this kind of hype cycle happens with so many things, Ryan. Right. And, and we are seeing it right now with, with psychedelics, right, uh, where there's just a tremendous amount of excitement and, and people, you know, making claims that psychedelics can cure everything. People are self-medicating, including Aaron Rodgers uh, with with psychedelics for a whole host of reasons. And, you know, we're going to see we're going to see the other side of, of the curve as the evidence starts to come out um, and and regulators start to uh, to move in. Now, but with CBD, the fascinating thing is even more so than psychedelics is this incredibly broad application it really was presented as as a miracle cure a natural wellness miracle cure for so many things and and i think that that has really added to to the noise and it's hard it's hard to pull that back right it's hard to sort of to clear to clear the the brush to get a sense of what what it really works for uh, ms 2020 on the live chat says the entire industry overestimated the potential market now you're seeing the market fix the situation with closures sort of sort of market correction uh, if you will, um, Kathy says government regulation hamstrung the legal industry. I agree. Kathy says they made it more expensive and harder to get than the illegal supply. Uh, so it's a giant mess. If you're going to uh, Tim, I, we don't have to drag you into this part of the conversation, but oftentimes I feel like with you, it's just like we're having a coffee and we can talk about whatever. But if you're going to regulate, if you're going to legalize, decriminalize, if you're going to legalize and regulate something, you also have to hammer down on the illegal market or it doesn't make any sense. Right. Like you, you can run an illegal, unlicensed grow up for way cheaper than running a regulated, regularly inspected grow up. That's obvious. And uh, unless you're going to crack down on the black market, it, it doesn't really make any sense for people to invest heavily into the legal market. And it doesn't make any sense if you're using your thinking cap uh, to suggest that people on mass are going to flock to legal options when they can pay half the price for the stuff they've been smoking for the last 30 years. Of course, they're not going to. Yeah, I, I don't mind commenting on this at all because it's something I've advocated for for a long time. I, I, I absolutely think regulators need to do more. And, and I'll even you know stay in that CBD space and say, we need to have more and stronger and clearer um, regulation of these individuals making health claims. And often it's from unlicensed, as some researchers have pointed out, uh, products. Um, and, and look, I totally recognize I've talked to people at Health Canada. They don't have the resources, right, mm -hmm. um, to to really uh, 
to tackle all of the all of the operators out there. But what they can do, and we've seen the FDA do this in in um, in for other other unproven uh, claims, uh, is is make uh, some high profile. Um, uh, uh, take some high profile actions, right? And then and then make it clear this is what happens if if you're making the making these claims. And I think this goes more broadly for for sure for unlicensed regulators. But there is absolutely a, a resource issue that you're seeing from the regulators. And the other thing, and again, I'm speculating here, um, is there was this you know part of the legalization was part of a sort of a cultural move, movement. You know, let you know let the man leave cannabis alone. And so you wonder if there's also this hesitancy that, you know, the, the government doesn't want to be seen to be having, you know, overreach uh, in this space because they've made this decision to pull back again, speculating there. But I wouldn't be surprised if that's part of the equation, if that made sense. Yeah. Can I before we before we go, uh, I know you've got a day ahead of you and Jody Geese Ramsey is going to join us in just a second here. Can, I, I want to ask you about two things. Uh, one of them has to do with COVID, by the way. I just want, want to get up to speed on some other work that you're doing. It has nothing to do with 420, I don't think, but maybe it does. Uh, but but you talked about psychedelics and people are going to hear more and more about psilocybins. And basically what we're talking about is, is kind of like mushrooms to cut to the chase, magic mushrooms uh, in different ways, shapes and forms. People are ingesting it for different reasons, uh, including micro dosing, small amounts. You're not, you're not getting all whacked out and, and seeing like sort of, you know, like Alice in Wonderland type stuff, but people are, are using it to, to impact how their brain operates through the day or how they're processing trauma or, or different reasons. And uh, Alberta, I'm sure this was on your radar recently. This kind of flew under the radar. Alberta became the first jurisdiction, as I understand it, in the world uh, to allow uh, some counselors and psychotherapists and psychologists, uh, psychiatrists to actually prescribe uh, psilocybins or psychedelics as part of mental health care. Are you keeping an eye on this? And what are a couple of things relatively early in this journey uh, that you think real talkers should be focusing on, questions we should be asking? Uh, what's front of mind for you when it comes to so-called magic mushrooms? Yeah, so th this is something we're following. In fact, I'm part of a research team from Baylor Medical College. Uh, mm -hmm. Dear friend of mine, Amy McGuire, uh, is is heading it up. And, and we're just starting. We're just starting. But this is something that we're following. And it really maps on everything that we just said. You know, watch those overclaims. Watch the hype. And I think it even goes more so with, with psychedelics because this could, is a, a powerful pharmaceutical. So we have to make sure that uh, it's being studied in good clinical trials, uh, that the dose and and the product is is appropriate. And by the way, there are you know there are regulatory challenges for doing this doing this well. You know, as you highlighted in your in your point about what's happening here in Alberta. Uh, so you need that good clinical data, especially for something that is powerful as as a psychedelic. You know, you don't want to go out there and self medicate like Aaron Rodgers. Um, you want to make sure you're dealing with with healthcare professionals. Uh, before we go, if you're just tuning in, we're talking to Professor Tim Caulfield. You've, you've got a piece out this week in the Canadian Medical Association Journal. Uh, we'll punch it into the live chat, the link, and of course, it'll be in the show notes on the podcast and YouTube as well, cmaj.ca, COVID-19 lockdown revisionism. Uh, what's the gist of this? Well, if you ever want to write something that's just like a Cue the hate mailers. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a bad title. <laughs> yeah, you can take on either defunding the CBC or this. Yeah. Um, so uh, look, I, again, right out of the gate, we absolutely have to revisit how the pandemic was handled. We have to do 
good research to get a sense of what worked and what didn't work. You know, can we have more targeted public health measures, et cetera, et cetera. This piece is about, you know, a concerning trend that's happening really around the world. I think mostly in the United States, but we're starting to see more, more of it here in Canada, especially in Alberta, where we're recasting what happened uh, during the pandemic, uh, you know, in a way that it, our recent past, Ryan, this just happened <laughs> as if the pandemic wasn't so bad, as if misinformation didn't really do a lot of harm, uh, as if uh, none of the public health measures worked, as if the vaccines were unnecessary and, and weren't beneficial. The vaccine saved millions and millions and millions of lives um, and millions of people died from COVID. And it's almost like we're forgetting that and we're recasting what happened in order to fit, a, you know, a particular ideological agenda. You're seeing this very much from, for example, from, you know, DeSantis in the United States, but you're starting to see it here in Canada. And I, and I don't need to to name names. So all we do in this piece is actually a very modest, uh, modest conclusion. We just want to make sure that the representations of what happened in the pandemic reflect what the science actually says. You know, let's remove the ideology. And, and it, it is a real challenge because if you don't do that, you're just going to erode public trust even further and make it more difficult to implement science-informed public health measures in the future if and when they're they're needed what what vibe are you picking up from like the general public do you think uh, people the vibe i pick up is that people are kind of like i know that some some folks are, are will come at me for this statement i'm just calling it how i see it i think most people seem to be kind of moved on like you hear kind of the throwaway comments we're talking about someone will say like you know like oh i saw somebody coughing the other day at the grocery store i think they should have you know i, I really would have appreciated if they wear a mask and someone someone else will go yeah i, I don't know man i've kind of moved on from all that stuff like it just sort of seems like that's kind of the general attitude what do you find from from your perspective especially when you're still working on stuff like this yeah, we're still working on it. We still have, you know, uh, lots of interesting studies coming out uh, in this space. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the the evidence backs up exactly what you said. You know, there've been you know studies that have shown uh, that there is for sure uh, a, a deep COVID fatigue, and I get it. I've got COVID fatigue. <laughs> I'll tell you for sure. I wish it was behind, you know, totally behind behind me. But uh, I, I think the concern is more how much this rhetoric is going to hurt perceptions of of institutions and, and public uh, health um, uh, experts in the future, right? Uh, and and look, I, I, we and we note this in the piece, there's no doubt that some of the communication was less than ideal, especially in 2020, right? There, you know, mistake, mistakes were made, we've got to learn from that, and then we've got to move, move on. Uh, but yeah, there, there's absolutely this COVID fatigue out there. But I also want to highlight on a more positive note, you know, social media is not the universe. You know, most Canadians, most Canadians, you know, support vaccines, support the public health measures. You know, if you look at that, those independent studies that have a representative sample, um, I, I think a lot of people would be surprised what the sentiment really is, because so many of the loud, polarized voices, po polarized voices are often, you know, are the ones that are are heard. Uh, Professor Tim Caulfield uh, joining us from, I think it's your home office, right, where you join us in past. Yeah. Uh, I want to point out the pennant in back. Uh, it also serves as a hashtag if people want to learn more about what you do. The hashtag GoScience is a great place to go along with the hashtag ScienceUpFirst. You can follow Tim on Twitter and Instagram at CaulfieldTim. He's the author of Relax, a guide to everyday health decisions with more facts, and less worry. A great friend of the show. It's nice to see you. And, and whether you celebrate or not, a happy 420.
Thanks so much, Ryan. Yeah, you got it. Uh, Jody Geese Ramsey coming up in just a second. You can let us know what you make of what you're hearing here. You can send us an email anytime. Of course, our hashtag as well, RealTalkRJ. That's powered by our friends at Park Power who want to remind you it's a perfect day to check out what you could be paying for electricity, natural gas, and internet with Park Power. It takes two seconds to compare rates. It takes five minutes to bring your business over to them, hassle-free. They'll even break up with your other service provider for you so you don't have to do that dirty work. (laughs) Isn't that the greatest when someone else will do that dirty work for you? That'd be great if you could do it in relationships. (laughs) Park Power could perhaps expand their services. Uh, Their customer service department here to sort out all your relationship kerfuffles. And not really. But what is real, John, is the promo code REALTALK23 that'll knock 50 bucks off your first bill for every service you go with. So if you go with all three, electricity, natural gas, and internet, that's 150 bucks off your first bill. The promo code REALTALK23 at parkpower.ca. Kubi Renewable Energy in the business of sustainable energy. How about that conversation about hydrogen yesterday with Adam Sweet? Pretty yeah. interesting stuff. If you missed it, check out our podcast archive or find it on YouTube. You know, Kubi Energy uh, is realizing, uh, of course, that more and more Canadians are pursuing these sustainable energy goals. And so... They're hiring because they're getting to the very busiest time of year right now. That's right. More and more of their Tesla certified installers are going to be up on roofs in Alberta, Saskatchewan, British Columbia. If you're interested in joining the Kubi team, you can connect with them at kubienergy.ca. The company's so proud to be partnering with Women Building Futures, uh, specifically offering support for underemployed or unemployed women and connecting to careers that pay well above a living wage. Big shout out to the team at kubienergy.ca. At Eden Landscaping, they're bringing outdoor spaces to life, including ours. I'm super excited to show you our backyard project. They're getting ready to get shovels in the ground. It's going to transform a space that, you know, we want to really be proud of it. Yeah, sure. We also want to be able to welcome our family over to a functional space that looks great. We gave Mike and his team our list of top priorities, and the design they've come up with is remarkable. Your plan may be different. Your dream vision for that yard may be completely something unique mike loves that stuff him and his designers the best in the business you can check out their portfolio and connect with them at landscapeedmonton.ca that's eden landscaping and hey speaking of companies that are hiring we always love getting the word out that includes the team at apex automation if you know a young engineer maybe they've just graduated from university and they're looking to join a dynamic team that puts people ahead of profits Do that young engineer a favor and tell him to check out apexautomation.ca. They're making waves in the industry across the country and into the United States as well for their unique approach to automation, the future of industry. You can play a big part of it by joining the team at Apex Automation. Did you hear from uh, Jatinder at all during that interview? Did she, did she take issue with any of the CBD stuff? I think, no, but I, I, I'm I saw sure some people in the live chat. She she's pretty good about you know letting us work. But as soon as the show's been over for the last three weeks, she's been like, "Oh, today was good. Yeah. Oh, this was better." But Let me I'm know sure what she, she says about the CBD stuff. I'm sure she has a lot of things because she feels the same way. She knows it isn't a miracle cure for everything, mm. but she sees a lot of promise in it, and she's seen. Uh, results in herself. I mean, she's had, she's probably going to go get surgery on her knee, but it's really helped her through some pain. It's helped her sleep and stuff like that. So we know it has benefits, but I like what Tim said is like, we, we need, we need like a five to 10 year down the road from now 
to see all the research since things have become legal and, and, and really see, you know, the, the real benefits on a chart. Because right now it's, it's a lot of like, I looked up when he said Melissa McCarthy, I was like, what is he talking about? And then I saw the story. She was like touting how she walked the red carpet in these high heels and they were beautiful high heels, but they were a little tight. So she put CBD on her feet. And the next day, the sales uh, in and around her area in California and the States went through the roof because now everyone, lots of women, whoever are uh, using CBD for their, for their, but I, when he was saying that, I'm like, you could pretty much put any oil on your feet. You know what I mean? You could, yeah. put, you could probably yeah, yeah, put yeah. like coconut oil on your heels and it, it would help with, uh, <laughs> with blisters. And well, stuff and for like a that. lot of people, it's, it's going to be like, uh, you know, it's going to be like, it works for them and that's all they need to know. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's so, totally. And, and, and I also understand where Tim's coming from, where it's like, you know, is, is it too much to ask to ensure that things are being marketed properly, sure. that the public's not being misled? I mean, even just to get down to it, that people aren't wasting their money. 100%. You know, that's also another thing to consider. I'm um, guessing CBD oil is more expensive than coconut oil. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> it's not cheap. I mean, I remember, yeah. we, you know, we got a vial for our dogs on the recommendation of a the veterinarian who is, you know, we, we go to a, a holistic veterinarian and mm-hmm. we've seen big benefit in that approach to our dog's health. They don't promise that it's going to cure anything, but, you know, their recommendation was along the lines of you may want to try this to see if it may help. You have a holistic dog healer? I wouldn't call them a dog healer. Uh, They're they're a holistic veterinarian. Are they uh, are they an anti-vaxxer? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> you know, it's wild. We got like not to get too off track here. I mean, yeah. we can do that on. That's a show no like diss this, to holistic. We know. were going to like this vet when we first got Moses, our boxer, right? And he was mm-hmm. like a, he was like a year and a half old, and it was ex- it looked like he was having some pain in his back and stuff. So we take him to this vet that was supposed to be like this big shot vet, mm-hmm. big fancy clinic in a big swanky neighborhood, and uh, he basically like gave us like the death sentence for Moses. Moses is like a year and a half, and he's like, Jeez. oh yeah, looks as a Spinal condition is his vertebrae are fusing together, and you go. You're probably gonna have to put him down. And I was, like, we're like, uh. So anyway, long story short, Second I'm hosting a, hosting a TV show at the time. We used to have a feature. This holistic veterinarian would come on. Mm-hmm. Her name is Dr. Karen Marsden, and uh, out of California, and she would come on the show. She's there. Moses is in studio, our dog, and and she's like, Moses, you're such a good boy, good looking boy, good boy, Moses. He's a big handsome boxer. And then I tell her what this vet said, and she goes, No. <laughs> Don't kill no. your dog. <laughs> She's like, bring him into me, whatever. Moses is now 11 years old, and he's been on there. Now, like, it's not cheap, uh, you know, to be honest with you. He uses some, you know, sort of reference some Eastern medicine, some Chinese medicine, mm-hmm. and some of the powders and supplements that we put into his food. He uses a, it's, it's a natural sort of a pain management uh, type substance called Arnica. People may know about Arnica. These different things that we've used uh, to help Moses with his health. But the point being, we've seen a benefit to a holistic approach to his healthcare. That's holistic great. doesn't mean that they don't rely on the science if they need to. Mm-hmm. They still do things like testing and use actual yeah. medication and, they're not like wear a necklace of garlic for wear a, a necklace of garlic, you know, like like hook hook them up with like this mustard blend, and you know what I mean. Like, no, that's not it. Um, you know, I wanted to get to live chat here because obviously, so many of you participate in this show and contribute to the conversation. We sure appreciate it on CBD or on cannabis, generally speaking. On four twenty, uh, M Aitken says I didn't find that CBD helped much uh, for my osteoarthritis. Uh, right? Others are saying that you know, uh, Academus Rex says my mom could definitely benefit from. 
cannabis, but she's but she's a frightened boomer who doesn't want to get high, uh, <laughs> says Cannabis Rex. Uh, you know, Justin, by the way, speaking of uh, responding to what Tim said, you know, Tim says he, he sort of like rather have a beer than smoke a joint. Justin says I'm completely the obvious. I'd rather smoke a joint than drink a beer any day. Uh, there's no hangover. Food tastes amazing. And it's a nice way to chill, says Justin. But everybody has their vice. Different strokes, different folks. Right? 100%. Yeah. And, th- and this show is not designed to like convince people that are not using cannabis to start using cannabis. Um, but it's just I, I think it's it, it's in a way I'm just glad it's it's one of these things that for a lot of years uh, for reasons uh, you know unknown I guess well mostly just because it was illegal mm-hmm. uh, but people couldn't just talk openly about cannabis no and now you find more and more people being like how, how was the concert good we had a couple gummies and it was like blew my mind yeah. you know what I mean and it's different for people like my wife uses cannabis to relax and get to sleep Whereas I would rather, you know, have a drink or have a couple beers or whatever. And we all have our vices. But we do still have these arguments where, like, she thinks, uh, like, cannabis is better for you. And I'm like, well, maybe. But, like, if you're smoking cannabis, there's got to be some health deterioration there. Like, when you're inhaling smoke or whatever. But we still get into those debates. But, yeah, different strokes, different folks. Yeah. Um, you know, people are talking about using CBD for vertigo, for anxiety. Uh, others are saying that, you know, you don't like the body stone kind of a feeling. It makes you feel paranoid. Um, you know, some of you are talking about different strains of, of weed. I mean, it's a good conversation here. Um, you know, Erica making the point says, if you say I'm going to conduct a study in order to debunk and dehype CBD, then haven't you already decided what your outcome is going to be before you even start? Um, which is a fair question. If Tim was here to answer that, I, I, I would, you know, I would, he would probably say, well, we didn't go in to, to debunk it or to dehype it, but maybe to determine whether or not it needs to be debunked or dehyped. I don't know. Um, obviously, you can follow Tim. I recommend that you do. Um, his work, his work does prove to be very polarizing. When he tags us in tweets, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times these things really get traction. Um, some folks have no appetite for what he's doing, and, and others uh, sort of see it as a great service. You ask him whether he was a, a user yeah i wanted to, yeah, I wanted I asked to him right out of the gates oh, d- oh d- maybe i missed it yeah, so yeah no it's like my, my lead, he is? my lead question and he is what were you stoned the whole time no i was <laughs> trying to pay attention to something you're like no i was flying the plane Do asshole you want a window into what happened yeah my macbook died and i had to run to my backpack i oh, took the headphones okay. off and so yeah no charger. i basically asked him i know where our next guest stands on this mm-hmm. because uh you know for years she was known as as canada's princess of pot so to speak she's she's one of the most famous canadians in the context of cannabis uh she's an entrepreneur she's an advocate uh she's an activist uh, and we're thrilled to welcome her uh, to Real Talk, formerly known as Jody Emery, Jody Geese Ramsey. A very happy 420 to you, my friend. It's nice to see you. Thank you so much. And I appreciate being invited on the show. Yeah. What? Hey, so how, how does your 420 start? You, you, you wake up, you brew a coffee, you smoke a joint, and then get on with your day? Is, is it just, a, just another day or is it something special? Well, I've got the coffee here. I do have a pre-roll if I need it. Um, I woke up pretty early this morning, actually. Maybe force of habit from years past, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting day. 420 is somewhat bittersweet, I'd say. Um, It's a time to reflect on how far we've come. There have certainly been a lot of positive developments over the decades of many, many people working so hard um, politically with respect to media and education. It's, a, it's an interesting day. Um, we organized the 420 annual event for many, many years. It went for over 25 years here in Vancouver. 
but 2019 was the last year obvious COVID reasons a lot of things got uh, pushed aside for a while there but even now I don't know if I'm really too celebratory uh, I feel a little more a bit of a sadness because it's interesting how language can be changed um, and people you know it's hard to talk about certain things when words have different meanings in this case the word being legal or mm. legalization I hate to sound like a broken record, but for many, many years, I was warning everyone about how the government was setting up a new Cannabis Act regime, uh, new laws, harsher laws, more punishments, more enforcement. And it's been quite a struggle for a long time uh, to see the actual cannabis community and culture being slowly eradicated and replaced by a very big corporate government, um, somewhat monopoly model across Canada. So the struggle continues in many ways. You could just play an interview from me five years ago and a lot of the stuff is the same. Um, in other areas, maybe there are some positive changes, but uh, one example of uh, the old ways still being with us is that I applied for a manager license for a cannabis store to be able to manage a store in Ontario. I applied in 2020. Uh, it took a few years and even though my co-accused from the cannabis culture dispensary enterprise we ran, uh, they got licensed but I was officially refused last summer by the um, AGCO. So I appealed that and earlier this year we had a two-day hearing and I won and the government was ordered to give me a cannabis manager's license but that has been appealed so it was very strange why do you think it is Jody is there like somebody has an axe to grind with you I think yeah I think yes the government uh, on the one hand they don't want to admit that people like me uh, were right and that a lot of the things we uh, devoted our lives to uh, were very meaningful, but the government wants to downplay that. It, it was strange. It was kind of like legalizing gay marriage, but not letting the gay marriage activists get married. Mm. You know, it's a strange sort of, uh, yeah, it seems a bit punitive. It seems like if you continue to criticize uh, places that need criticism, such as the lack of medical storefronts and access, excessive taxation, the lack of consumption lounges and advertising and promotion. There are so many things that need to be addressed and fixed. But part of the evidence used against me in the rejection of my license was a video clip of me encouraging people to engage with the federal government's Cannabis Act review. So even in the hearing, they played this whole video of me just encouraging people to take part politically as we're meant to in a democracy, as the government invited people to do for this review, and yet that was being used as criticism. So from what I've heard from a lot of people who got legal, uh, once you get in that door and the government gives you a license, you better shut your mouth and just pay your taxes and take home whatever piddly amount you can from the little weed store you might be running if you're so lucky to get a chance to do that. But yeah, it's pretty disappointing, a lot of things feel like this, the way they were 10 years ago, um, but in other ways, uh, it, it's sad. A lot of people have moved on, literally. They've left the cannabis scene and they've gone to do something more rewarding. A lot of people have died and passed away, uh, medical cannabis patients, a lot of people who have lost access, not just to the medicine that helped them, but to the community that made life worth living. Uh, I, I 
again, to bring up another movement, I remember reading an interview um, from Toronto many years ago about the Gay Pride Parade and Celebration. And they interviewed a bunch of really old activists who were like, well, we don't mind seeing rainbows everywhere, being able to walk down the street with your loved one and hold their hand without judgment. Like, that's all great. But we kind of miss the old days, the days of, you know, gathering with your community at events and celebrating your culture. Now it's just become kind of whitewashed or, you know, in that case, rainbow washed. You know, mm. they just see big corporations waving a flag, taking something that was a social political movement and turning it corporate. And I guess I feel that way about 420 as well. Um, it's a it's a double-sided coin on the one hand. Again, it's very nice to see the mainstream, uh, the mainstreamization, I guess, of marijuana. Yeah. You know, people everywhere are more comfortable talking about it, using it. Average Joe and Jane Canadian, they can engage with cannabis in a way that they wouldn't have when it was a subculture and controversial. But on the flip side of that, people like myself and other advocates who worked so hard to make things better with respect to human rights and civil liberties and regulations. We have a lot of work to do. So so most people today will say, well, why protest? It's legal. What do you have to complain about? Right. Well, there's certainly a lot. The fact that over 50 cops and politicians made millions and millions of dollars with stock market pot companies pumped up by the liberal government. You know, you had Bill Blair and Trudeau saying these companies will be the legal companies. Everything else will remain illegal. And so many Canadians gave a lot of money to those companies, which, as we know now, looking at all the news, just a giant pot stock scam, uh, shutting down the factories and the grow facilities, laying off thousands and thousands of good, hardworking Canadians. Meanwhile, the executives get to take tens of millions of dollars and go off to the next project. So I, I feel sad that in many ways my testimony to the House of Commons and the Ontario Legislature, the Toronto Police Board, Toronto City Council, Vancouver City Council, Washington State, like we did a lot of hard work. And in one way we're being told, hey, you should shut up and celebrate. But on the other side, people are still being arrested and charged. There are activists organizing a 420 event here in Vancouver who run the Cannabis Substitution Project. They're in the downtown east side. They're saving people from hard drug overdoses and deaths with cannabis that's free or low cost and high dose, which is all illegal under the legalization laws. So they're being charged and taken to court and facing jail time for simply providing cannabis medicine to people in need. That doesn't sound like legalization to me. That's the opposite of what we were working for. So again, 420, bittersweet, but I try to think beyond Canada and America and all these places where laws are in place that kind of make it weird. And I think about countries overseas where they don't know about the details and the devil's in the details here in Canada. And all they see is the message that cannabis should be legal and allowable. And that's the message that we should be promoting. But it feels like back in the day, we used to hold up signs that said, legalize it. And then finally, when we got government to agree, the question moved to, well, how? And that's mm. where things went really sideways. And unfortunately, we still have a lot of work to do. It's just hard to do when everyone thinks the job is done, move on. 
So strange times. Interesting. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. I mean, this is informed analysis. I mean, you've, you've, you've walked miles and miles in, in these shoes. And, and, and like you said, I mean, I mean, I can even think back to, to 420s. I mean, at the Alberta legislature here, that was always a big gathering ground. And under the watchful eye of sheriffs, you'd have hundreds or even thousands of people, typically young people, but not exclusively, you know, lighting up on the grounds of the legislature to send a, a clear message about how they felt about what, what should be legalized. Uh, uh, celebrated or observed a 420 uh, on this on the steps of the Vancouver Art Gallery which was always a, a, a kind of a, a cool place to hang out but you're you're right the, the the subject matter of the protest has changed and and I think because it is legalized you're right like I don't think I mean maybe people will gather at the Alberta legislature today I don't know I have no idea but but there there still are things that demand these drums be beaten that, that demand focus and attention can i can i ask you about cannabis amnesty i mean there, there are a lot of people i mean maybe it's a bigger story in the united states but it's certainly not exclusive to the united states there are canadian citizens that are doing time that are in jail for cannabis related offenses this is something that justin trudeau and his government said that would be a priority for them when cannabis was legalized but you haven't seen a ton of evidence on that front is this something that's on your radar are you paying close attention to this Oh, absolutely. And it's extremely frustrating to look at the United States and see uh, governments pardoning people without any requirements or any cost. They're just saying, listen, legalization is supposed to acknowledge that it shouldn't have been criminal in the first place. Mm. And so we're going to erase those records. You're not going to be punished anymore. And in some places, they're even giving preferential licensing to people who have been victims of prohibition. You know, here in Canada, uh, it seems that they make a list of all the people with criminal records and history and they say, you are not allowed in. But in the United States, they make the same list and they say, listen, it's been pretty unfair and you did a lot of hard work. You should be given licensing before cops and politicians and corporations. Um, in Canada, very, very sad and depressing. Um, and we have to remember that the harms of prohibition don't just come and end with arrest and jail. Uh, there are so many ways you can be punished still in Canada. People are still being drug tested and being denied employment or being fired from their job for being a cannabis user. There are parents who are still losing custody of their children in divorce and separation battles because they're accused of being a drug user because they use cannabis, even though the other parent might be drinking a ton of liquor and using all sorts of other substances. But there are people who are denied housing. I mean, still across Canada, if you want to use cannabis in your apartment building, uh, you probably can't and you can probably get evicted. In fact, most rental agreements require that you agree you won't even have any cannabis around. Uh, you can go to jail for having plants visible to the public here in BC. Now, what? Enforcement, enforcement is a, a sticky thing. You know, on the one hand, you want police to have discretionary enforcement so they can say listen I know you've got plants but we're not going to bug you about it but we had a case a couple years ago here in BC where there was a home and garden show like where they let the public come to people's gardens and they walk through and do official tours well this one couple had lots of different kinds of plants and flowers and they had some cannabis plants well because it's legal right well, an undercover cop off-duty was checking out the garden and was like, oh my gosh, there's some weed. And they spent a ton of time and money spying on this young couple, staking out their house and busting them for having plants visible to the public, even though the event was meant to invite people in. So it's stupid little things like that that um, you know people don't really know about. 
but it's still harmful. You know, having a bunch of police come to your property does a bit of reputational damage for your neighbors around you. And, you know, there's all these ways that people are still being persecuted and punished for being associated with cannabis. So, yeah, it's a very strange time. It's uh, it's tough to discuss what legalization means when to some people, you know, they they decided to open a weed store and run a business and it's all new and exciting to them. Yeah. But they don't see the years of work that went up to this point. They don't see the incredible um, the incredible amount of effort and adversity that we had to put in and face through all these years and still even today, like I said, I'm still struggling just to get licensing uh, years and years later. And it's a bit frustrating when the government says, hey, it's legal. Just go get licensed. Yeah. If you have a million dollars and the government doesn't hate you. And Literally. You yeah. Multi-billion dollar corporation. So it's tough. I'd like to take today. I'm actually going to go away on a little solo nature retreat on Bowen Island near mm. here just to kind of escape uh, the city and take time just to reflect on the past and my position in it and what others have done and sacrificed. And uh, I'm, you know, ideally I'm planning to write a book about many different adventures and there's a lot of fun stuff to share. So I'm trying to remember the positive things, but it is a bittersweet day. 420 is an interesting day for me and many others, but I, I hope everyone celebrates in their own way, uh, but also commits to reaching out to your elected officials, asking them to continue modernizing the laws. We just saw Mississauga approve cannabis stores, which will be interesting out there. But we did just see Quebec. Um, they won in the Supreme Court of Canada to ban home growing in Quebec. Uh, Manitoba is trying to appeal that too. So lots of work still to be done and I intend on doing that. But I think, like I said, you could just rerun a bunch of my old interviews and speeches <laughs> and it's all still very relevant today. I think the best I can do is um, provide my own history and my own efforts um, as a model for others to follow. And that's that's what encourages me. I, I hear from people throughout the United States, even people who get elected into government positions who say, I watched your speeches over 10 years ago and you inspired me and gave me a model to follow and I'm making big changes here. Thank you. So that stuff matters. And I was published uh, in the United, uh, University of British Columbia, UBC, put out a textbook about cannabis in Canada. And I was given the closing chapter to write about activism and how we got here and where to go from here. So that's that's a nice honor, and I appreciate being part of history, but I would still like to have an impact on the future, uh, hopefully, I imagine, more, more quietly through letting others carry forward the message so they don't uh, encounter a politician who's like, oh, I've heard of that Jody girl. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. but I mean, like, just take the message. It's about the message, not me. Well, and, and activism's that- like activism can be exhausting. And especially mm-hmm. when it's sustained over, like you said, 25 years. I mean, you're like, you are one of these, like when we introduce you, when we welcome, I mean, the whole reason we reached out to you to come on the show <laughs> is because you are, I mean, like, like honestly, you know, that like the two people we asked for today and we wanted to put you together, but it didn't work out. We tried to get Tommy oh, Chong God. as well. You know, he's from Edmonton. Oh, so we, yes. we thought, you know, Jody Geese Ramsey and Tommy Chong would be a cool one-two punch. But 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 the point is, like, you have credibility in the community and you've seen a lot. I mean, like, you know, people can check out jodyemery.ca. You know, you're an activist, a magazine editor, a political candidate, a prisoner's wife you have been, uh, political campaigns you've been involved with. I mean, a whole bunch of different stuff, work on dispensaries. And so you come at this from a number of different angles, which I think is is really great. When we were just musing at the beginning of the show and we were talking about some of the stuff we see around us, I mean, 
I talked about people, a lot of people that lost their shirts on the big cannabis stocks. I mean, you, you look at Aurora, anybody that was watching Aurora operate, I mean, I'll take big swipes just at that one company in particular. They're not the only ones, but right. I mean, it was being it was being run by people that were just pissing money away, lighting it on fire. I mean, it was, they, were, they were acquiring and swallowing up smaller companies. And if you were lucky enough at the time to be bought by Aurora, you probably got 3x what your company was worth because they were just picking up everybody and they were opening the these, these audacious facilities. Jody, I don't know if you heard about Aurora Sky. 800,000 oh, yeah. square feet, this warehouse. You know, they're growing tulips in there now. I oh, mean, Aurora's I like, <laughs> I mean, it's a disaster, right? And so, I mean, the stuff is happening. It's it's not all happening in a good way, especially for people that are impacted by this. I mean, a lot of people lot of, lost a lot of money. A lot of people made a lot of money, but, but there's a lot yeah. of stuff to talk about and take a look at. Oh, definitely. And with respect to that whole Aurora Sky and the greenhouses that were built up, it was a race for, like, remember, the Liberal government said, we're going to legalize it. And it, to me and many others, meant all the cannabis that was already out there that was being grown peacefully and nonviolently. Don't forget, the Justice Department of Canada did an analysis of all court cases involving marijuana growers who got busted and found that 95% of them, the vast majority, were otherwise law-abiding citizens who had no involvement with gangs or organized crime. So maybe 5% of cases are, you know, gangsters growing it in big facilities because government laws increased the risk, which increased reward, which made it profitable to go into. So that's why some criminal groups would get involved with cannabis. But the government knew all along that the vast majority of cannabis was being grown, sold, and consumed by peaceful, nonviolent Canadians who should not be criminalized. But the Liberal government realized, listen, we could just keep all that weed still illegal and create a whole new regime, a whole new industry. And what if we just get ourselves and our buddies in position opening these companies? That's why the Liberal Party's chief financial officer started the company that became Canopy Growth. What a surprise. And then you had Bill Blair and others in the Liberal government going to these facilities and telling Canadians, this will be the legal cannabis right here, this weed, you know, invest in this company. And I don't know if there are secret deals behind the scenes, but fair to say corruption is not something we don't have in Canada. Mm. So it was very fishy to me seeing the government. Immediately, I started ringing the alarm bells and I left the Liberal Party because I said, wait a minute, you're talking about keeping everything illegal. Legalization of what and for whom? And it was the legalization of a new industry started up by cops and politicians like the top of my twitter feed has a list of over 50 premiers mayors really high-ranking officials who started marijuana companies and not just liberals also conservatives so it's a non-partisan thing when you're running a big scam <laughs> so <laughs> they uh, they all got in on it and they all made a killing and it's been quite a few years of um, trying to warn Canadians, like, don't trust this. But unfortunately, we, we're in this weird zone now where there there are a lot of big cannabis companies that are still growing and still selling. And there are smaller companies that are getting into the industry and getting licensed and approved. But the regulatory burdens and hurdles and costs are prohibitive, like prohibition. Uh, if you don't have the money and you don't have the connections and you don't have the facility, you're kind of out of luck. Whereas Years and years ago, if you were just a small business owner with a bit of compassion and a heart and and a concern for others, you got 
got into this industry and you were able to do well enough. But now, again, medical cannabis, not accessible. People still being arrested, charged, going to court just for not being licensed. And it's that weird uh, double standard where the government says, hey, we're happy to license people if you want to just get licensed. But then when you try to, they're like, oh, sorry, we don't have that kind of license. Or, oh, you need uh, $100,000 in your bank account or you need the security clearance. And in some places like Alberta, you aren't even allowed to get into the cannabis industry if you have any history with cannabis before legalization. So they can just look up your past and decide, you know what, we don't like you. That doesn't seem right or fair to me. Um, it, it should have been an equal, open, fair and fair and inclusive uh, model, but we're left with um, a lot of division because again, those who did get into the lifeboats you know, they're okay, but you can't criticize the government for not allowing others in. And then you find that a few people who, you know, jumped on board with Canopy or got a bunch of money or a business deal, they decided to shut their mouth and shut up. And they don't want other people to get licensed because they've got their golden ticket. So it's been, it's been a bittersweet, strange experience watching the government slowly kind of divide and conquer the cannabis community. So I like to look back to the good old days when we all rallied together, uh, 50,000 people in Vancouver, and it was peaceful and beautiful and filled with love and diversity and tolerance, and it was special. Uh, now it just seems like it's been greenwashed or whatever, and uh, not so much fun, but I do care about the issues still. I can't help it. I was never so passionate about weed itself. It was always more about justice civil liberties, human rights, and the harm being done to peaceful people by harmful government laws. So, you know, same that's, old song is always. That's a really, that's a really <laughs> interesting point for you to say that you, you were never really so passionate about the weed itself. Oh my but, gosh, but I didn't the- even like, <laughs> before we even opened dispensaries in early 2016, so up until that point, never involved myself with the actual cannabis But when we opened up the dispensaries to create a model of what adult use recreational stores should look like, that was the first time I ever saw a bunch of different flavors or strains. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, that smells different. And that one's neat. But even to this day, it's like some people want to try and impress me with some weed or, you know, I can't I can't really tell the difference. We all have favorites. But if you wanted me to do like a blind taste test, like smoke an illegal joint and a legal joint whatever (laughs) they're both just weed right you know like one of my most disappointing moments of all time in my entire life i used to host a television show and and, uh you know kevin nealon uh came on the show that the saturday night live comedian he was a weekend update of course like one of the all-time greats and 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 then he went on to star in weeds uh which was like obviously a really popular tv show so anyway long story short he invites us to come to a stand-up show after he was on our show that morning we go and then afterwards he's like you want to hang out i'm like i can't believe it we're going to hang out with kevin nealon this is absolutely absolutely amazing and, and and so we connect with them after the show and, and we have beers and i say hey man you want to step outside let's smoke a joint like i'm like i'm gonna smoke a joint with kevin nealon he says to me you know what man he goes actually i don't smoke weed and oh i was like God. what i was like what 
It was unbelievable. It was like the big. It was like the, just blah blah. So right? there you go. You never know. You never know. Great actor, I suppose. Uh, Jody, it's been so much fun uh, connecting with you. But I, we honestly and and I love this. We designed this segment to just we we just said we're going to talk about 420, where it started, uh, what it's become, and what's on your mind today. Uh, didn't know much about where it was going to go aside from that, and, and you've delivered, given us a lot to think about. Obviously, and and regardless of where people are at with regards to how schooled up they are on issues around cannabis, uh, certainly a lot of, uh, to focus our attention on. You're not joking, by the way, about this list on your Twitter at Jody Emery. People can check it out. Your list is 30 deep and you're naming well, names. Uh, this is no wonder you're making too. enemies. Look at this. It even goes further. Like it says 30 there, but if you click on the last one, it continues. I mean, we're talking about um, the, <laughs> the head of the RCMP, you know, former people who were involved specifically in busting people for cannabis. And even in the case of people like Julian Fantino saying, you know, we shouldn't ever legalize it ever. And then they go open a weed company knowing that everything will remain illegal except their little business on the side. So hey, it's corruption. It's not fair. It's unjust. But so much of the world is unfair and unjust. And that's part of what's great about cannabis is that you can use it to just relax, get outside your head, look at things from a different perspective. And again, even though I do have a lot of you know, sadness and mourning the loss of very dear friends, people, again, who have passed on and died and moved away and things have been kind of fractured. But it makes me very happy when I'm out in public and I just see two old ladies talking about how they're going to buy some marijuana and smoke it and they're going to go do something kind of fun. And it is normalized. It's, it's. I think this happens to most movements and cultural um, organizations that help shift society like you have to you've been in the trenches and you've been in the subculture but by nature being in the trenches and the subculture means you're below the surface most mm. people don't see it they don't know what's going on it's only when you know the fruits of your labor of the seeds that you planted come to fruition and people are able to enjoy that and they don't see how deep the roots go they just see the beautiful flowers and well, that's not a bad thing either, because you can still appreciate and enjoy something uh, as a newcomer, even if you haven't been around as an old grouchy has been. <laughs> Jody Geese Ramsey, uh, you can follow her uh, online on Instagram. You can find her on Twitter as well at Jody Emery uh, and check out her website, too. It'll all be in the show notes on the podcast and on the YouTube episode. Happy 420 to you, regardless of whether or not it is bittersweet. We really appreciate you joining us on the show today, Jody. Thank you so much, Ryan. Hope to be back out in Ontario soon if I win this appeal and get myself a license. There you go. We'd love to talk to you when that happens. Awesome. Okay, keep, keep us touch. posted. That sounds great. That's Jody Geese Ramsey. I like that. I like where that conversation went. She's right out of the gates. 420 bittersweet for her um, and taking us into it. I think that some people can probably relate to that. You know, regardless of what the issue was, advocacy and activism is hard work. I'm thinking of people in, in my own life that have that are committed to cause and, and, and they're they're huge. Uh, they pour all of their efforts into it, hugely committed to it. And uh, and when you see something playing out in a way that's not exactly how you envisioned it, I can imagine why that would be 
uh, you know, to speak casually, a huge bummer. Uh, you can let us know what you think about what you just heard. Uh, talk at ryanjesperson.com is our email address. Cadmus Records, well, who's her husband? Her husband was uh, Mark Emery, who you'll remember was jailed in the United States for selling seeds, basically. You can, you can Google that and get the background on that story. Uh, they're no longer together. Um, and uh, and she, she sort of distanced herself from that story, but doing a lot of work on her in her own regard. And, and you can read more about her online, follow her on Instagram and the like. Um, I didn't know about that, that the laws in some provincial jurisdictions that you can't have cannabis visible to the public. I mean, yeah. be, I mean, it doesn't really make sense to put a bunch of pot plants up in your bay window or up in your front window in your living room. It doesn't really make sense. But I didn't realize that that was against the law. Seems ridiculous. It does seem ridiculous. It's just a like, plant what, what sitting out there. be the point of that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, you know, Justin says, what an interesting interview. I just learned quite a bit about how the legal cannabis industry was rolled out in Canada that I didn't know. Yeah, and I'm glad we talked about this because we do kind of hit on cannabis every now and then and we're kind of always positive about it but yeah. like the legalization of cannabis like i was thinking a lot about that when it happened i was like well now the government's just taking this over they're gonna rake in all the dough they're gonna, yeah. after they jailed all these people for decades for like you know grams of weed like putting people destroying their lives for like getting help with their anxiety and and you know just well, it trying really, to live better like like it doesn't really make sense for people to now i know that someone will say well it was illegal at the time they broke the laws that existed at the time yeah so was alcohol but does it make at sense point, to have people like, in jail right now or no. even if they're not incarcerated dealing with the implications of a criminal record no related to cannabis conviction no. if cannabis is legal it makes no sense whatsoever at all. can we all agree on that yeah. you know and, and she talked about what's happening in in some states and across the united states where she says it's not costing people a lot of money and they're not having to go to a lot of effort to have these records expunged to have the mm -hmm. records cleared, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, you would think that it should be as... I mean, uh, people are going to roll their eyes at how I oversimplify this, but you should be able to do a keyword search in the criminal record, the criminal database in Canada. And if it's related to cannabis, it should be wiped out. Mm -hmm. I mean, that makes perfect sense. But maybe it's something along the lines as well as maybe those cannabis convictions were used to jail people that wanted to be... It's this whole idea of convicting Al Capone on tax evasion. Yeah. <laughs> but you know when, what I'm talking when about? When she's talking about people who literally put people in jail yeah. who are now profiting... Of the same well, thing. Look at they this. I mean, number one, I'll just read. For. I'll just you know pick at random some of these names she's talking about, and none of these people are, are, have done anything illegal. Uh, you know, so to say that. But Norman Inkster, independent director at Metrum, uh, big lab. You know, former head of the RCMP. Uh, you know, former BC Solicitor General, West Vancouver Police Chief Cash He, the strategic consultant with National Green Biomed. Uh, Jake Ryan, the director of security for Tilray, former RCMP intelligence officer. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with some of these people going on to have careers in cannabis. But but who was certified? Who received the licenses? Who received the government support? Who received mm -hmm. the plum assignments and the early investment opportunities? Mm -hmm. You can understand why she's not a popular person in some circles putting a list like this together. And yeah, I, I'm sure all those people aren't like evil behind the scenes. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. But like if they're allowed to have a prosperous life and be successful, why are these people still sitting in jail? You know, exactly. Like let them have a life too. let exactly. them out. expunge their records. Did we miss a point or did we miss a focus on today's episode? We love hearing from real talkers that let us know what's on their minds. Uh, you can let us know anytime, of course, as well. Hit us up on our hashtag real talk. RJ th want to thank everybody that shares our content. If you're listening on the podcast, it's really easy to do. Same with YouTube. Uh, let somebody know, maybe a cannabis enthusiast in your life, maybe somebody who is ardently against it that you feel like could 
could use more information or a different perspective. And of course, uh, maybe folks you feel that may benefit from hearing some of the specific subject matter that's been presented today by Jody and of course by Tim Caulfield ahead of her. These conversations are presented by, I mean, this is like uh, such an obvious, I mean, like it's a great day to go visit a Dairy Queen. Like it's a great day, great day to go visit a Dairy Queen. A kid in a candy store. That's exactly it. I mean, I'm I'm thinking today is a, a great day. If I mean, if I'm calling the shots, I think we're going to go with the bacon double cheese signature stack burger. I think we're going to go with crispy French fries and onion rings, John. Uh, but before all of that, wow, you got to go Blizzard first. Uh, it feels like a good day for a score Blizzard at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And don't forget, if you're as amped up as we are about the Edmonton Oilers' big series-tying win last night against the LA Kings. It is playoff season, and the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park would love to do you up a custom Oilers cake. It's a great gift to bring to whoever's hosting the Game 3 watch party. You can order those in advance or go pick one up in-store at Palisades Nemeo, Newcastle Westmount, and Baseline Road Dairy Queens, proud sponsors of Real Talk. Our friends at Friesen Brothers want to remind you that May 1st is coming up, less than two weeks away, which means another opportunity for you to save 15% off grocery purchases of $75 or more. 15% off, that's huge. Our family does a big shop on the first of every month. Also wanted to put a couple other things on your radar. April 22nd, that's this Saturday. Happy birthday to the Friesen Brothers in Fort Saskatchewan. Amazing pizza oven draft beer out there in Fort Sask. The Stony Plain Store, which is just an institution uh, west of Edmonton. And of course, the Rabbit Hill location in South Edmonton. Beautiful store celebrating their birthdays on April 22nd. And there's implications for you. Shopper. Uh, promos, uh, balloons for the kids, all kinds of cool celebrations. April 22nd. Check out Friesen.com for more on that. This beautiful studio that we call home during our working hours was built with incredible attention to detail and absolute professionalism by the team at Complete Care Restoration. I am so enthusiastic about working with this team. If you ever find yourself in a position where you're dealing with a nightmare like a basement flood, I don't know, maybe April showers bring problems uh, to your place that needs some foundation repair work done, but you need to get it cleaned up first, Complete Care Restoration is our it's our recommendation without hesitation. You can give them a call anytime. 780-454-0776. We loved dealing with them. And coming up on tomorrow's show, Trash Talk, you know it. It's a Friday institution here on the show that's presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. You can check them out online at localenvironmental.ca. If you're living or working, if you're making a decision for a business or a community in Edmonton and area, White Court and area, Regina and area, in other words, Alberta and Saskatchewan, check out your full service environmental solutions partner. Local Environmental has established itself as one of the most trustworthy names in waste management and it's not just talk. You can check out how they back up that corporate culture, some of these core values that they have day in and day out at localenvironmental.ca. Coming up on tomorrow's show, our Real Talk Roundtable presented by Urban Timber. We'll set the table for Earth Day. We're going to talk to three individuals who in different ways are applying their expertise and their talent to saving the planet. Plus, a rescheduled interview with an expert on sexual assault recovery, resources for people. All of this prompted by that weird video of the Dalai Lama. We'll get into it on Friday's show. 
Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, Executive Producer Josh Dunford, Technical Producer John Hicks, General Manager Katie Cook Chivers, Account Coordinator Lawrence Durlego, Human Resources Lena Shepard, Website Design Mike Johnston, Voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandy Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a Relay Project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.